Hi, guys. Hey. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> um, so really excited about this one. I think if anyone has, has followed any of the three of us on, on Twitter, you know that uh, we are personally extremely excited to be here. Uh, this is a late add to the session catalog. Uh, this is the, the Lady Container Power Hour. Um, I am super excited. Um, I'm just emceeing today, by the way. I have almost nothing of value to add. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, just a little bit of level setting. Um, Welcome, which is what we're doing right now. Spoiler alert. Um, like a <laughs> yeah. Look at me. I'm my own tech support. I am. I am contributing. Um, okay. Well, if you didn't see the title, quick rewind. Container Power Hour. We're back in business. Um, so we're going to do a, a little quick overview today. So broadly today, we're going to be talking about GitOps. Um, I'll introduce it in just a second, and then I'll introduce Claire and Jess. Uh, Claire's going to cover continuous integration, preview environments. Uh, there's a demo, which is a game. Um, and then Jess is going to do a different demo, uh, which is on the new GitHub Actions with AWS Fargate. Um, we are really excited that you all are here. Um, who here is familiar with GitOps? Sweet. Um, so as usual, I have stolen a quote from someone else, which was better than anything that I could say. Um, so here's one from Kelsey Hightower, uh, GitOps version CI/CD, which is what Claire's going to talk about, on top of declarative infrastructure. Uh, so stop scripting and start shipping. Uh, what does that mean in practice, right? It's everything is managed as code as part of a Git workflow. So everything from your configuration to references to environment variables, don't put your actual secrets in there and tell them that I told you to do that. It's not true. Uh, your actual code, the documentation itself, uh, with GitOps, that all belongs in version control. Um, that lets you do things like debug practically, follow a feature from your local environment to production deploys. Um, so there's a, there's a ton of payoffs, right? You can manage everything automatically. You can roll back when you need to. Um, it's good stuff. Uh, so really basic, what it looks like for you is you work with future branches locally. So maybe I check out a new branch, I do all my work. I used all female emojis today, by the way, because it is Lady Container Power Hour. Um, <laughs> uh, I can start my work locally, I add whatever my changes are, I push it up to my new branch, um, I made my changes, I track it all through a pull request, um, I merge it, and then once I've merged it, I might trigger something like what Claire's gonna talk about, right? So running tests, triggering a CI CD build, all the kind of good stuff that comes after that. But once I've deployed it, I can track that all the way back. So instead of looking at this huge set of changes and saying, I'm not really sure what, what caused this, I can look back and say, actually, oh, it was, it was that commit that kicked off that build that was that deploy that was that task revision in ECS. So I can follow it all the way back down to my local dev environment and the, the commit that I made. Um, treat your infrastructure the same way. So avoid things like configuration drift, use templates and CloudFormation and Terraform and all that good stuff, but treat everything the same way. So don't be the person that's SSHing into your boxes, installing stuff, and then being like, I don't know why it doesn't work. It's weird. Worked to my machine. Um, so now for something really exciting. I'm going to turn it over. So I am really excited to introduce Claire Ligori, who's a principal engineer in the containers team, talking about CI/CD preview environments and PR bots. Thank you. So I'm talking about continuous integration, preview environments, and PR bots. Um, Abby told me she was putting this talk together. Uh, as Abby said, I'm a, a principal engineer in container services. Uh, I specifically focus on developer workflows for ECS. And prior to joining Container Services, um, I was an engineer in our code suite developer tools for AWS. Um, so I spent a lot of time thinking about developer workflows, and now specifically I'm focusing on those for containers. And so I said, Abby, I want to talk about one of my favorite uh, topics, which is the intersection of continuous integration and containers. So for a long time, we didn't have continuous integration. We were kind of in the dark ages of our industry. Uh, and so what would happen on these teams was they would spend a bunch of time sort of working on their own code, on their own branch, never integrate together. And then all of a sudden, it's time for the annual release or the quarterly release, and nothing works together. Nothing builds. None of the tests are passing. 
and you have to split by three months because you're spending all this time doing integration with other features that other people have been working on. And then we kind of moved on to what I think of as classic CI. So this is um, what was kind of the industry standard for a really long time, starting in the late 90s. Um, basically, you have a Jenkins box that's watching a source branch like master, and as soon as you check in code to that branch, it kicks off a build. So you have this very continuous integration going on at least your master branch, which is really great. And what happens is that you're able to get feedback continuously back to developers on that team, telling them when the build's broken, telling them when their tests have failed, so they can keep in integrating with other features that other people on their team are working on. And so by the time you have your release needs to get cut, everything is hopefully green across the board in your build and your unit tests. So I also wanted to talk about how this classic CI that a lot of teams practice and have practiced for a really long time, how does that get better now that we have containers? So I'm excited that it's easier. It's so much easier with containers to do continuous integration. So the reason that I think it's easier with containers is because we now have, one, a standardized way to describe how to build our application and to package our application. And then we have a standardized command to build that application. So we've got Docker files to describe the, the application and how it needs to get built and packaged, and then Docker build to package it all up and create that container image. So as opposed to previously when we had continuous integration, for each different language that was being used across an organization, you had to have very different commands and set up your Jenkins uh, pipelines in very different ways depending on your language and, and application framework. Now we can have a single Docker file for uh, Python. This is an example for Python. And then same thing for Node. And on both of these, you're just using Docker build, right? So it's very easy to set up continuous integration because it's standardized across your organization. And then, of course, some people go overboard on Docker files for very, this is one of mine. Um, I'm ashamed. Um, I tried to make the font bigger. <laughs> it's supposed to be small. <laughs> Uh, so this is an example of what you would put in your Jenkins file for Jenkins, Docker build across any, plat uh, any uh, platform that you're using, any language that you're using, any framework that you're using, same uh, command in your Jenkins file. And then near and dear to my heart is code build. Uh, I was a part of this team for a long time. So this is an example of a build spec that you would put in your source code repository to describe what commands to run. And of course, if you're using containers across your organization, this is your build spec. This is all that you need to run your build and make sure that everything uh, succeeds. So we, I talked about classic CI. This is source branch triggering the build, getting that feedback back to the developer. But I think about five or six years ago, GitHub came out with the commit status API. And all of a sudden, we now have a way to push continuous integration into the pull request phase. I think this is really exciting because there's only so much that you can uh, make sure that the build's not breaking and not um, blocking your team from getting their build passing and their test passing. But one of, the, I think, the great innovations that's happened in continuous integration in the last kind of five years is adding continuous integration into the pull request phase. So now developers are getting their feedback even earlier in the process in their pull requests, and then also their teammates are getting that uh, feedback so they know that they don't have to review this code because the build's not, not working, certain developer needs to go fix it. So how does pull request continuous integration get better with containers now that we have these containers? I'm really excited that this stuff is built on containers. I think this is a really exciting thing about where continuous integration has gone in our industry is that it's built on containers. So we're seeing a lot of continuous integration providers be built on containers. Code build near and dear to my heart is built on containers. It's built on top of ECS. And one of the great things here is that Docker gives you this fresh, consistent environment every time and it lets you describe that build environment in a really standardized way, again with the Docker file. So this is an example of uh, Docker and Docker build environment, but I am a special snowflake. I happen to run tests against my image with Ruby and with Rake, and then I also use Docker Compose. 
And so I'm able to put together all of these uh, unique combination of tools um, in this Docker file. I build it and I can use it with any CI provider that takes a Docker image for the build environment. So this is an example of a build spec that I could use if I'm doing both a Docker build, doing Docker compose up, and then doing rake tests to run tests against my running containers that I've built. So I also wanted to talk about what's next for containers and CI. What I see is kind of the next trends that are coming up for CI and containers. I believe that we're gonna start to see more and more continuous testing in pull requests. So this means using containers and using infrastructure as code to validate an entire environment before actually merging to that master branch and sending things out to production. One of the things that I've started to see is that the, the time sync that we're having now is pipeline. These release pipelines are always blocked. The integration tests are failing. We can't get it out to production. And so we can move all of that using containers and infrastructure as code into the pull request phase. And one of the reasons that this is important is that this is kind of the modern application. We have tons of microservices. The architecture is becoming much more complex. And the interaction between those services is becoming more complex. And then if you're running on AWS, you're probably using a bunch of managed services like databases and queues and step functions. And then hopefully you're using Fargate, which has its own specific features that it gives to that environment, like a task metadata endpoint and a special way to get credentials into that environment. So it's, being, it's harder and harder to predict how it's going to work, how your container's gonna work in that environment just from unit tests that you'd be running in your build. So I've been thinking more about why continuous integration of containers and microservices is different than what we've seen before with monolithic applications. And one of the things that I've been thinking about is what we're doing in our build when we're running unit tests and we're mocking out dependencies in those unit tests and we're testing images with local dependencies like local stack or DynamoDB local is that we're really only validating an artifact. We're only validating that the container image we think is valid. But what happens when we deploy that container image into one of these environments like Fargate against many microservices that might be calling it and it may be calling and then using these managed services in AWS like DynamoDB and, and RDS. So I think what we're gonna start to see is we need to validate the entire environment, which is what we're doing in our release pipeline and is, if you're like my team, always blocked uh, and always failing, um, so we can start to use the unique capabilities of containers and infrastructure as code to provision containers in a preview environment um, in the pull request phase to make sure that everything's gonna work uh, once it hits our release pipeline. And what I think we're gonna start to see is we're running integration tests against these preview environments to really validate that whole environment, including what's checked in as infrastructure as code if you're using GitOps. Uh, to make sure that everything's gonna be green throughout the release pipeline. So what I mean by this is, previously we've seen just the build happen in pull request, and then I think what we're gonna st start to see is provisioning a preview environment and testing in that environment and getting that feedback back to the developer. Um, and we're already starting to see some of this in the, uh, in the industry, um, Jenkins X is a great example of this. It does preview environments for uh, Kubernetes as a way to release code into your Kubernetes cluster, which is really exciting. But I wanna demo uh, just an example of uh, a pull request bot that does uh, provisioning pull, uh, preview environments. Uh, so I wrote ClaireBot. Isn't she cute? Isn't she so cute? Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna switch over to my laptop here. Perfect. So uh, this is my application. This is reinventtrivia.com. Uh, if you click on one of the cards, it gives you the question. Anybody know the answer? There's a sticker if you do. 2012 over here, please come up afterwards. 2012! Uh, so you can go through the game. This is based on a uh, application that's running in Fargate that is serving up an API for this. So this is serving up the first question and the answer. 
And I want to walk you through an example pull request that I have seen many times on my teams at Amazon. Uh, so I open up, I want to add API documentation to this because it's um, a nice thing for developers against this trivia API. Um, so I open up this pull request, and Bobby Drop Tables says, um, can, can I play around with this? It's kind of hard based on the files that have changed to see what this is actually going to look like, right? So Bobby Drop Tables wants to uh, play around with it. And one of the things that on my teams we tend to do is, OK, here's a link to it running on my desktop or my developer machine somewhere. Um, just click on it and see what it is. Um, but of course, as Bobby is looking at my pull requests and going off and doing other things, I am also going off and doing other things. I'm working on my development machine at the same time. And I might be pulling down the server and working on it. And so it's timing out for Bobby. And I say, OK, try it now. But you know, 10 minutes later, I'm off to the next thing. Uh, now it doesn't show the docs because uh, I'm working on a different branch. And that doesn't have the docs change because I'm working on a different issue. And so instead, uh, I can stand up a standalone preview environment for Bobby to play, uh, play around with this new API documentation. So I'm going to show you what that looks like. Let's create a pull request. And I'm going to go ahead and mention PreviewBot. Um, one of the things I also have here is uh, CodeBuild is, is set up for that pull request continuous integration. So I'm still using that to be able to make sure that the Docker build doesn't fail. Um, but while we're waiting for, let's see if she has responded. Takes about 30 seconds. There we go. So uh, Clairebot has responded. I'm provisioning a preview stack. Um, it has also started a build for me to build a new Docker image that it's going to deploy into this preview environment. So I can click on that. So I'm using code build here. Um, it's currently downloading my source code, and now it's in the install phase. So now it's setting up the whole build. So I can tell you a little bit about Clairebot itself. Um, so this is running in Fargate. Uh, what it's doing is pulling the GitHub notifications API on behalf of my Clairebot user. Um, so you can see the Clairebot service running in Fargate. And then I just have a single, single task running in here that's continuously pulling that GitHub notifications API. And then I also have the Docker image for Clairebot um, stored in ECR. So let's check in on the build. So at this point, it's now building my Docker image. Um, so I can show you some of the code in this trivia API. Uh, so this is, as I showed you before, this is an example build spec for continuous integration. It's really simple. It's just doing Docker build. Uh, but I also have a build spec that Clairebot is looking at to create that Docker image. Um, so it's doing a little bit more. It's doing a, a Docker build tag, and it's pushing it into ECR so that it can deploy it into the pre uh, pre preview environment. And then I'm using a tool called the CDK, the Cloud Development Kit. Um, this is an infrastructure as code tool that's in developer preview currently and is up on GitHub. Uh, and it lets me write CloudFormation templates in TypeScript. Uh, so it's really easy to use. I can kind of show you what it's doing. So this is the uh, description of the Trivia API infrastructure, which is um, this is what Clairebot's going to execute in the build and then uh, provision in CloudFormation. And so I'm referencing an existing uh, ECS cluster in my existing uh, default VPC. And then I'm referencing the Docker image that uh, Clairebot is building right now. And then this is all that I need to set up a load balance Fargate service with a single task running behind a load balancer. And so all of this is going to compile into a CloudFormation template that Clairebot will stand up in CloudFormation.
go back and look at the pull request. So the build has now succeeded. I am now provisioning the preview stack. So I'm going to go over to CloudFormation. So I now have this um, PR5, pull request 5 stack in progress. Um, so we can see the template that that small amount of TypeScript actually generated. So this is a huge amount of YAML that I did not have to write. Um, so uh, some of the things you can see in here, so there's like a load balancer listener, a load balancer target group, security groups, the load balancer itself. And I didn't have to explicitly define any of these things. I just used that load balance Fargate service. Um, and then here is the uh, ECS service running the Fargate launch type. And then it also filled in my default VPC subnet, so I didn't have to refer to them explicitly. I just imported them into my CDK app. And then let's take a look at the events that are going on. So it's now created the task definition here. So if we go over to the ECS, uh, this is in ECR. I'm storing all of the preview images that it's building in, uh, in ECR in this preview images repository, and then you can see the different um, tags for the different pull requests that I've been doing. And then because these are preview environments and they're meant to be kind of ephemeral and be thrown away once the, the pull request has merged, I have a lifecycle policy on here of uh, older than two weeks. It seems, seems safe. And then we can go over and see the, the ECS service. So this is what uh, CloudFormation has provisioned for me, the service that it's provisioned for me. So it's PR5 again. And then if we look here, it's now standing up the, and now it's running the task running the image that ClearBot built. So let's go ahead and back over to the stack, make sure that this is done. So we can see some of the resources here that it's been creating. So the service is still create in progress. Uh, so the load balancer is still in progress here. And so while this is going on, um, I'm free to kind of go off and, and work on other things. Uh, and then ClearBot will mention me back again when, uh, when it's done provisioning. Okay, so now the stack is in create complete. And ClearBot has mentioned me and said the stack creation is succeeded. And then gives me a link to the load balancer that it started up. And so I can click on this. And so this is my API server, so I can go to API docs. And so Bobby Tables can also click on this link and go to these docs and start playing around with this interactive uh, API documentation, and then I can send a sample request, and it gives me back all of those uh, questions that are part of the reInvent trivia. So then I can go and say, okay, this sounds good. I'm gonna merge this. So now that it's merged, I want to stop paying for those Fargate containers, of course. And so uh, uh, ClearBot is also going to clean up that, that preview environment for me in 30 seconds. I can only pull so fast before I get blocked from GitHub. So <laughs> Can you work on my limits, please? <laughs> uh, so ClearBot is now, uh, now that it's closed, is cleaning up the preview stack. And so if we look at the stack on, uh, on CloudFormation, the delete is in progress.
So I'll let that clean up. Um, so at this point, okay, so I'm going to hand it over to Jess. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to turn it over to Jess now. Um, but special welcome to Jess, uh, who is celebrating her first day at GitHub with us, um, <laughs> hanging out, talking about GitHub Actions and Target. So uh, we're really excited to have her. Uh, please put your hands together uh, for Jess Frizzell from GitHub. <laughs> I just gotta remember my password. Who <laughs> first try? Okay, sorry, I just changed my password to this really long thing, so that was actually really rough, even though you didn't realize. So uh, I just SSJed into my apartment in New York. Um, but what I am going to show today is um, a new feature that GitHub launched, um, which is very in line with what uh, Claire was just talking about, about GitOps and like testing on pull requests. And so this is going to be like totally awesome as a follow-up. Um, so this feature is like scriptable GitHub. Um, and I have, too, also had a lot of problems with pulling the GitHub API. Like I am like one of the biggest users of the rate-limited API, and I get those warnings all the time. Um, even before joining GitHub, like someone on the GitHub team sent me this like, it must have been from their internal analytics or something, but I was the top user one day and I was like, I am so sorry. Like, that is my name. And she was like, no, we know her. Like, <laughs> so yeah, that's me pretty much just ruining everything by polling. So this actually helped me a lot, GitHub Actions, because I no longer have to poll. I can like do all my weird, crazy bot things in GitHub. Um, so GitHub Actions, let me just like go over, like the way that the workflows kind of lay out um, are in the like .github um, folder in the repository where like you'd also put like how you want PR templates to be and stuff like that. It's kind of like metadata. So this file is really cool because of the way that it renders. Um, and you can also like actually edit the file itself and it's very much like the HashiCorp um, language. Um, but so I have some crazy kind of actions here. Let's go to a like not as crazy looking one. So every time that I push to master on this repo, um, it's going to deploy to Fargate. And actually what we could also do is um, every time that you push to a branch, it would deploy to Fargate and a different URL or anything. You can code these however you want. Um, but what this is doing is it's using this like pre-made action that I already made in a separate repo. So what's cool is, is this gives like the ecosystem the ability to kind of like build a lot of these out and then allow people to use them. Just like Docker files themselves, like people pull them from everyone else. Like this you can use anyone else's. So like I made this one, it's probably shitty and someone probably will come and make a new one. Um, but, but I like it, it works pretty cool. Um, but really, it's just kind of a wrapper around Terraform because I was lazy. Um, so I run Terraform in a container. Um, and then Terraform provisions everything for me. So like it does all the things with ECS. And it does the service and stuff like that. And then actually, I made it so all that's kind of hidden from the user. And all you have to put in your like workflow file is like, this workflow is on push to master. I'm going to deploy to AWS Fargate. And then it resolves Fargate deploy. So the action Fargate deploy. Um, just says that it's using this repo. And then you're like, what region do you want it in? What image are you going to use? So that's pointing to my um, Docker registry uh, where it has the image. And it's like the port exposed from the container um, is going to be port 8080. But you'll have a load balancer that actually like resolves that and stuff like that. Um, and then the count of replicas, your CPU, your memory. And then the bucket is so that Terraform can save its state. So if I had chosen not to use Terraform <laughs> to do this, you wouldn't need that. Um, but yeah, so be it. Um, so yeah, there's that one. Then just to go over like kind of just the extensibility of actions, you can have a bajillion different things. Um, so one of the bots that I had that would like totally get um, rate limited all the time was um, every single time that I would like open a branch on a repository um, and then it would be merged, I'd want the branch to be deleted because I like have OCD and I want it to be clean. 
So I had a bot to do that, but then it's like I'm constantly polling for when these things are merged. But this, actually, now I can just watch the hooks on the repo, and every time that something is merged, then I'll delete the branch. So that's really cool. And the only secret this one needs is the GitHub token, whereas like this one obviously needs your AWS creds. But now GitHub has like a whole API for secrets, so that's cool. Um, you can do all that. And then I also have this like other kind of funny one that is um, another kind of separate repo that I made that whenever like tests fail or anything on a pull request, it will like show a GIF of like someone shaking their finger. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, and then it cleans it up after. And then my more crazy one is like how I push to Docker and all that, um, which I won't really get into like so much of, but like what it's doing is a Docker build. It's like logging into Docker, it's doing the build, um, it's tagging it with all the things. Um, and then it's like logging into my G Cloud only because that's where I store keys for things. Um, so it's pulling down the keys so that I can sign the images and then it pushes all the repos so that it can then like be pulled back down by Fargate when it deploys. So yeah, let's just go over and open APR on this repository. Cool. Um, and I'm not even gonna show you what the app does yet, but let's just add a new handler or something, or we can just change something. We'll do like a hello world. Ah, oh, my typing is so bad. This is what happens. Okay, so yeah, all I'm gonna do is just print out to the writer. Um, so hopefully this compiles. God only knows what I did wrong. Nope, cool, first try. That is odd. Um, so <laughs> cool. Now what we can actually also do is in our workflow file, I'm gonna change the tag of what we're deploying. So I should have like latest all throughout here. So like when it's pushing, it's pushing latest. Um, and then also when it builds, it should build latest. So let's actually like call this something like V1. And then we're gonna also tag this. I have three different registries. I'm like an actually insane person. Um, obviously when I pull it back down, I only pull it back down to one, but you know, just in case. And then there should be one more of these. Nice, okay. Let me just make sure I didn't miss anything. Cool. Okay, so we'll put this in a branch. Oh, the binary is not being ignored. So annoying. Okay, sorry. Um, okay, so now I'll commit this with a terrible commit message changes. <laughs> cool. And then I'll come over here and it already popped up. And I'm gonna open the pull request. Honestly, I should have made it fail so you should have seen the GIF, but we'll see. Um, so yeah, all these things are now running but a lot of these actually depend on um, other things. So like the Fargate deploy actually depends on like an actual push to master. So what will happen is it just won't go. Um, but you could also like code this since it's just bash. Um, if you look at this thing, I mean, it's just like one line of bash, pretty sure. Yeah, so it's like GitHub ref, if it's not master, 
um, it's going to exit. And so these environment variables actually come from like GitHub Actions injects them. So there's like GitHub Project, which is your repo name. It's all like documented in the docs, but it's like really nice helpers, um, kind of like Jenkins would inject variables too. Um, so yeah, not that yet. Sorry, <laughs> wrong tab. Yeah. So like all these things are going to run, and like so even though it's green, um, you'll see that like this said that it's not the master branch. I mean, hopefully. Yeah, demo was not master, so it exits. Okay, so we're just gonna merge this. Cool, and then also what you're gonna see is this branch is gonna be deleted, sorry, because OCD, and I don't have to do anything, and it doesn't pull, so I don't get in trouble. Um, so that's not great, what that just showed, let's see. Cool, so let's see, this one is gonna run. So it's in progress, and it's gonna clean up our branch. Actually, I'll just open the pull request in another tab so that we can go back to it and see, oops. Yeah, so it already deleted the branch, like that's so fast. Um, so that's really cool. Um, so everything else is happening and it's running and like it's gonna do all the pushes to all my like various registries. Um, and it's cool because like a lot of these will actually run in parallel. Um, so like, if you look at this crazy thing, um, it's like these are all running in parallel, the build, the login, the Docker trust, um, where it's like pulling things, uh, gcloud credentials, stuff like that. Um, yeah, so then finally it pushes, and it pushes them all at the same time, which is also a little bit crazy. Um, and then uh, I actually have this other thing that uses this tool that I built called Reg, and so it like scans it for vulnerabilities, which is cool. Um, so yeah, while that's going, let's see, everything logged in, woohoo. Uh, so now it's just pulling literally every single key for all the images in my registry, which is probably over the top, but um, I have this repo that like has like 100 images in it, so this was the same code. Uh, <laughs> in reality, I could have just done like that one image, but whatever. Um, so yeah, just gonna wait. I mean, this one's gonna pass, but you know obviously. So there's like a few ways to go about writing these files. Like I said, like you could do it through the UI or you can do it um, with the actual file. Um, so if you just go in here and you click edit, then you get the UI to edit it, which is like a really cool visual editor. Um, so say we were to create a new workflow, you can actually like click and drag and it will create a new thing. So then you can you know, find actions from the community over here, which are like a bunch of different things. They even have a like GitHub action that wraps the AWS CLI, which is cool. Um, and then you can like tag things, do a Docker registry. Like there's a bunch of ones from the community. So that's like one of the main like things that I love about this, honestly, is the fact that the community can build so many of these. Um, and it's like very easy to just click and do. Okay, so everything is green, woohoo. Um, so now it's gonna like deploy that image that we had, which is cool. Oh, this succeeded too. Let's look at the log. Cool, so this actually gave us our, um, our URL right here. And then also you can see that this took 32 seconds, which is like pretty good. Um, really the long part was like my three various registries that we're pushing to, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, let's like hit this. Yeah, so this one's cool. Like it's a very standard clippy, but let's like also curl this URL. He dances. Yeah, and then there's also this one. So yeah, that's uh, GitHub Actions. It's pretty cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess like, do we have time for questions? Ten minutes of them, or yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, actually, so we do. Um, we have about ten-ish minutes for questions. Um, if you have questions and you want to say them out loud, which you should, because this is a great opportunity, and we're all friends here. Um, uh, raise your hand, and either I'll repeat the question, or there's a mic in the in the hallway or the corridor. What are that thing is the hallway? 
Um, huh? The aisle. Thank you, Claire. <laughs> what would I do without you? <laughs> the hallway. It's the hallway. Um, if we run out of time after the 10 minutes, um, we will be outside for a couple minutes afterwards because they will definitely kick us out of the room. Um, who has a question? Don't be shy. Over here? <laughs> yes. So you mentioned just in passing Reg. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So I have this command line tool, which actually I can show since my screen is still up here. I have a lot of weird command line tools. Um, <laughs> this is just one of them. So this is like a command line tool for Docker registries. Um, but one of the cooler features is that like you can you know, scan um, an image. So when it scans, like it will return something like this if there's vulnerabilities. And then you can actually have it error out. So like that's what I put in the, the CI, is you can set like max number of like these things to pop up before it fails. And like I think the default is like 10. So if there's 10 vulnerabilities, it's gonna fail. I mean, clearly that's terrible. But a lot of these like low ones, they're like really shitty. Um, and they're like dumb. So it really depends on your like risk factors. Um, but yeah, it, it, it really depends, but you can, you can set whatever kind of limitations you want. Um, and Alpine, actually, it even works on that because Claire, like the tool from CoreOS, works on Alpine too, so it's pretty dope. Yes. Is Claire live on the It is. Uh, I probably Which wasn't supposed to open source it, but um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's on my GitHub uh, profile. Um, the... There's a link to it also in the deck, and the deck will go up with all of the, at some point, and obviously this week is a little busy, but um, uh, by the, for the next couple of weeks, session recordings and decks start going up. So if you can't find it um, just on GitHub, there'll be a link when the deck comes out. Yes? So for um, the pull request standing up preview Um, yeah, so um, one of the sort of things that I envision, this is like probably listed as a to-do on that repository, but um, being able to uh, use things like, um, uh, um, what's the word for it, um, feature flags or um, content-based routing in order to um, direct some traffic to that load balancer and run integration tests. Um, and then also to be able to um, import things like URLs from load balancers that are in like a beta stack in your pipeline uh, to be able to call out to those microservices from that preview environment. Make sense? Yes. No, so it will be soon. Um, but right now there's just a beta um, because like when we say that something's generally generally available, we like really mean it. Um, so just wait, stay tuned. <laughs> Some of us are on the beta list and haven't gotten an invite. Um, I will do my best. I just became an employee today, so. <laughs> oh, you. Oh, you are also on the beta list. Um, who else has got a question? Oh, yeah, you in the back. like a EC2 cluster or a, yeah, so I was using Fargate, so um, all that I needed was basically an empty ECS cluster. I didn't need to provision any EC2 instances ahead of time, uh, because with Fargate, you don't need any underlying instances. You just run the container in Fargate. Um, but one of the things, like with Jenkins X on Kubernetes, and then if you were doing this on EC2, um, you'd need to set up something like um, auto-scaling policies to make sure that the cluster expands to be able to provision that con that new container. Um, but in general, like same thing for your beta, if you wanted to spin up some new microservice, you'd need to provision capacity underneath. But it was really easy with Fargate. Uh, this was something that I had, the Trivia API backend was something I had running on an EC2 <coughs> instance for a really long time for a previous demo, and it was really easy to just wrap it up in a container image and then stick it in Fergate and I could just spin down all my EC2 instances. 
Yes. So you mentioned local stack for like local development mocking and stuff, um, but is that like fully featured? I mean, I feel like sometimes that can be a really hard problem to solve. Do you have any recommendations? Yeah, so the question was about local stack and kind of mocking local dependencies. Um, yeah, so I, I see two things happening. Uh, one is um, things like DynamoDB local, which is up on Docker Hub, if you haven't seen it, is now an official kind of image from Amazon, um, is really helpful for running unit tests really quickly um, so that you don't have to have that round trip time to DynamoDB. Um, but it does sometimes have some quirks that are different from the actual service. And the same thing with local stack for some of these um, some of these other services. Um, and so that's why it's really important to run like real integration tests. A lot of times I hear people refer to integration tests as running against DynamoDB local. Um, and that just has a lot of assumptions built in about how DynamoDB is going to um, act uh, for specific requests. And so that's kind of where I've, I've seen a lot of problems run into in like a beta or a staging environment where it's just a little bit different from DynamoDB. Um, if you do see those, please do open an issue. I, th I don't know, I think it's open source. Um, open an issue and you know, we'd be happy to take a look at it, but um, you just kind of run into those things a lot. And so um, that's really where I push teams and Amazon to do integration testing against real, real dependencies, real services. There's also a, a video, a YouTube video, I think, with Capital One that's like a whole thing on how they test their AWS resources, and he has some cool, he has some cool libraries in there too. There's like a whole subculture, I think, around how do you test the cloud without actually waiting for the cloud, for the cloud to provision. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyone else? Oh, right over there. Uh, yeah, if you go to, um, it's on github.com, uh, AWS labs slash AWS dash CDK um, is the cloud development kit where you can um, uh, generate your CloudFormation templates from TypeScript. Uh, I personally have been using um, VS Code, which is really nice for TypeScript, um, really fast, so thanks to the Microsoft people. Um, the, uh, so I've been using that. It's been really easy. I think one of the things that I like most about it is um, you know, it's a real language. You can do things, uh, and it's a library in a real language. So you can do things like you know, object-oriented classes, inheritance, extending. Um, if you need to sort of compose different pieces of your architecture in different classes, I found that to be really nice. And then the other one is um, uh, autocomplete. So I, when I'm doing CloudFormation YAML, I find myself just like stuck in the docs a lot. Um, and so it's really nice for auto-completing um, that kind of thing uh, and giving me all of the properties that I need to fill in and giving me uh, compile time errors if I haven't done all of the right um, properties for those for those resources. So I really like that. Um, I will also call out, I just found out an hour ago that there is a uh, IDE, set of IDE plugins for CloudFormation in YAML that will do auto-complete for you, so that's super exciting. Um, and so you can, I think it's VS Code, um, Eclipse, and something else. Uh, so if you're interested in that, um, I think that's gonna be talked about here at reInvent at some point. Uh, well, I found that out just now, so I also learned something in this session. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, so that now they like actually implemented a secrets API. So when, if you get added to the actions beta, you'll have a secrets tab here, and then you get to like put in whatever environment variables you want, and then they're just injected into the runtime environment, just like those like GitHub ref or whatever. Yes. So once Actions is GA, this will also just be across GitHub. Um, yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> So <laughs> no one can predict the future. Yeah, it's hard to predict the future. I actually feel like there could just be like a code build action because like if they're using, you know, webhooks right now, actions is just an easier way to get the webhooks without being rate limited. 
um, in that way. So like that would actually be a cool integration. Like you'll you'll end up seeing like a lot of things like that where like it will probably just be in action. Um, yeah. I think from the from the AWS side, the same thing that we say for every service is that once the GitHub actions are generally available, if you have something that you want to see one of the teams build, um, let us know. Let your account manager know. Um, you can message me on Twitter like everybody else. Um, you can send the, the there's a DA for, there, there's DAs for almost all the services. So let us know if you want us to, if you want to see us build something that you, that you don't see yet. So I think we'll probably know more once things are, are generally available and more and more people can, can start to play with them. And I think one of the exciting things about um, GitHub Actions is sort of creating a workflow of builds or just different steps that you need, like code build might be one of them, um, or you might want to, uh, parallelize a bunch of code build steps or um, mix and match with other um, <coughs> services and other things you need to do. So I'm really excited about the workflow aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. Like multiple co like code builds side by side. Cool. And it like cleans up so many things that you were doing anyway. Like that you can just, that it's just kind of automatic without yeah, yeah. like obviously getting rate limited. <laughs> <laughs> Solving personal problems for Jess. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it felt very personal, to be honest. <laughs> it's a good thing. Um, we can probably do like one or two more um, here if anyone else has a question. Yes. Meta. Uh, okay, so the question was, does Clearbot build Clearbot? I am ashamed to say that it does not. <laughs> Uh, I did I did a Docker build and a Docker push locally, and then I did an AWS CloudFormation deploy. So uh, I should totally set that up, though. That'd we can neat. probably blame me for that because I roped everyone into the session. <laughs> very very short. Yeah, Clearbot Clear <laughs> was written mostly on Black Friday, so um. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, we think we can do one more if anyone has a question. Um, and if not, any going ones? Go. Just, do you plan to increase your limits now that you're a GitHub employee? I feel like I've been banned from the databases because I've like been literally subtly hinting at that. And when I say subtle, I mean like oh, super I'm not subtle. Um, so yeah, no, I actually feel like this has now taken the problem over so that I won't be annoying them, but I probably will be. But like I would literally let everyone know if I got a rate limit increase, but like from everything that I've seen, it's not allowed at all. Like that's <laughs> what I've been told numerous times. So <laughs> Okay, um, everyone, thank you so much for coming. If you answered the trivia question correctly, come and see me and you can have a sticker. Um, if anyone else has a question that they didn't ask on stage, um, Perhaps Jess and Claire will hang out outside for just a couple of minutes after this. Um, so thank you for coming. Enjoy the rest of reInvent, and we'll see you next time.